Welcome to the Uncharted Podcast. I am your host, Inez Franklin. My hope for you today is that we discover faith beyond the boundaries. Uncharted is intended to be a safe place for you to listen, learn, and challenge yourself along your journey of faith. May grace and peace be with you today. Welcome to the show. Hey friends, thank you for joining me on Uncharted with Ines Franklin. I am so excited, ladies. This is a special podcast for you because today my guest, Stella Reed, is really a wonderful, wonderful lady that she could be you, totally a friend. I mean, the first time I met her, I was like, oh, I connected her with her so much. But here's a woman who has said yes to Jesus, and she has um, she is doing some really wonderful things. Now, we as women often hear that, yeah, can, you can have it all. You can be everything, which is, we all know that's really hard and almost, it is impossible to do. But here we see Stella trusting God, trusting the calling in her life, and she is doing wonderful things. So we don't have to be afraid to say yes to God. Her big motto is one big yes to God. Now, listen to who Stella is. She is a wife a mama, a pastor, speaker, and she is the co-founder of the Dream Center in New York City. In fact, she started at the Dream Center in Los Angeles. She and her husband were sent to New York to start the Dream Center in New York, got it off the ground. You'll hear about that. And now she's back in Los Angeles uh, running. She's the executive pastor of the Dream Center in Los Angeles, and uh, she's still rocking it out of the park. So I can't wait for you to meet her. She is terrific bundle of energy and such a great inspiration for us to say yes to God. Now, if you are new to our podcast, please make sure you subscribe because you don't want to miss these wonderful um, podcasts that we're producing that I think will inspire you on your journey of faith. And if this has been a blessing to you, do share it with your friends that they too will be blessed. Let's listen. Stella, welcome. So good to have you on the Uncharted podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to be able to chat with you. Well, as I shared with you in the pre-show, our heart is to share our stories, to talk about our journey of faith, the ups and downs, the various turns that we have on the journey of faith. And I'm so grateful you're willing to share yours. I'm so excited to hear about your journey of faith. And I realize that sometimes when we're going to tell our story, it's like, okay, do we tell the elevator pitch story? Do we tell the, I'm having coffee with you or I'm writing a book, right? And so I I know that can be hard, but I don't want the elevator pitch. I think our folks on Uncharted know that stories are rich and they take more time and nuance. So give me the, I'm sitting with you in the coffee shop and we're having coffee together. I know our friends who are listening. I hope you have your coffee cup too uh, as we're doing this. And and that's I'd love to hear your journey of faith. Yes. You know, I I uh, I began my story kind of begins. I was raised in a pastor's home. Uh, my family was uh my, my dad was a pastor. And so I actually, my in- first encounter with the Lord was at a very young age. I can remember uh, uh, knowing the presence of God and Jesus was real at a very young age. And so I can remember that where, where I was, uh, the first time I really, um, felt the presence of God, I think I was seven years old. I can remember. So there was rooted, very rooted from the very beginning, um, to where I knew that Jesus was real. 
It was like no question for me. Um, and I actually had a wonderful experience as a pastor's kid. My experience actually uh, in my childhood um, was I looked at it and I loved what my parents got to do. I loved being a part of what um, my family was doing. And I can remember being at a uh, summer camp when I was 16 years old, and I felt like the Lord had completely given me a complete um, uh, idea and uh, prompting of what I would be doing with my life. Like I can very clearly knew. How old were you then? 16. And I felt like I knew that I had heard from the Lord that I would be spending my time working in big cities and in underserved communities. I knew it. It was so clear that I would spend my time investing and building and um, building the local church and serving communities that were underserved in large cities. And so I left there. <laughs> there was this winter camp, and I am this eager six-year-old girl. And I just told my parents, I'm like, I, I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And they're like, so oh. wait, so you were, you were excited. This wasn't like, well, that's off left field. That doesn't make no, sense. I was Where excited. did you grow up? Were you in a city or I you was in, in a small town in Northern California at the time it was a small town. It's now California. Of course, this has grown so much over the last 30 something years, but I, uh, I just knew. And so I went to my parents when I got back from that camp and I knew, and, um, I started to, after that, I wanted to be in ministry. So, um, wait, what was I, their reaction? You know, they were, I don't think they were completely surprised because of my disposition. Um, what is very much, I'm a, I was determined from, from the get go. And so I came to them with a plan. I said, Here's the deal. I feel very called into ministry. <laughs> I do not okay, recommend folks, this. Okay, folks, you have to picture this beautiful woman saying this. You had to be the cutest 16-year-old saying, I'm ready to go, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of zeal and no knowledge. And just, you know, like, I thought I knew a lot about the Lord. You know, you, you're so eager in that age. But I came to my parents and I just said, hey, I want to go into full-time ministry. And I pitched to them, let me do homeschooling because I want to start going on mission trips. I, I did. Wow. And wow. so I, um, somehow we talked them into this, my twin sister and I, and, um, your twin. So did your sister twin. go to the camp as well? Was they she went to the camp as well? Okay. She did not necessarily feel that then we were on different journeys, but we were in the whole pitch to my parents. We were in that together. And oh, so we pitched that. And then I, we did, we ended up in our junior year. We went, uh, I started homeschooling. And then I went to Romania on a missions trip. I went to Mexico on a missions trip. I, I went on three or four missions trips. Uh, I just wanted to do ministry. And so, and then I ended up graduating high school a year early. I mean, a half of a year early and then um, was all set to go to college. My parents were moving to Southern Cal to plant a church. And I came with them to scout the area and they were meeting with uh, their this, the people that were going to be helping the church they were going to be under. And and I found this place called the Dream Center. And right, I found that I landed on the Dream Center campus uh, right before I was going to go to college. And I looked at my parents and I said, "This is exactly what I know God was speaking to me about over wow. there." Wow! And I Such clarity. Mm -hmm. And um, I have been a part of the Dream Center vision um, for almost twenty-five years. And that is what I've been doing. I uh, spent 12 years in Los Angeles, and um, then we moved to New York City in 2009, and we planted the New York City Dream Center. There's a lot in between that we can talk about. Well, I do want... Okay, so for our listeners, 
to pause the journey of faith story real quick, but let, let's give people some context about the Dream Center because some people may not know what that is. Can you tell us about it? That's, yeah, very true. Many people probably don't. Uh, the Dream Center is a, mini, a church and a nonprofit in the Echo Park area of Los Angeles, California. And uh, it started by our founder is Pastor Matthew Barnett, and he moved uh, uh, to this uh, city 20, uh, 27 years ago, and uh, he came here to pastor a church, and which turned into uh, realizing that the Echo Park community here in Los Angeles needed more than just a Sunday service, that the community was, there were so many people hungry, so many, the gang members that were, um, the, the amount of crime and the amount of hurt and need that he was seeing in this community in the mid-90s was something he knew he couldn't just, a Sunday morning service, they weren't even going to be open to what the Lord would have for their life, that he knew he needed to meet needs. And so he began to put his office outside on the front steps and um, meeting people. Thus began when he opened up a a home for uh, gang members to get out of addictions and and those that have addictive issues in their lives. So that's how he started the process of reaching the community. He started feeding people. He started figuring out a way to really reach the community. Down the street, there was an old Queen of Angels hospital for sale. And him and his father went up to them one day um, after really praying about what to do to provide more need for the community and to provide more resource and help the community. And it was a, a hospital in the city right here that was one of the biggest hospitals in Los Angeles at the time. And this and, is uh, downtown Los Angeles. Downtown. Sure. And it was, yeah. yes. it was an old hospital and it was, it, they had moved, there was no longer a hospital at the time and there was just some nuns living there. And the nuns were selling it. And uh, Hollywood wanted it. Uh, ER was being filmed there at the time. Oh, Tons they wanted to use it. movies were being filmed there. We, we still get offers at times the facility for Hollywood to buy it because there was so much being done here at the time. Pastor Matthew was eager, and he went over there, Pastor Matthew Barnett, and he went over and met with the nuns and said, I believe I can do something with this building, and I believe that I can reach this community. And they said, they were so intrigued, they said, give us an offer. And uh, they, at the time, I mean, the buildings, at the time it was worth 17 to 18 million, it's so run down. Uh, and they go, he goes, I'll give you 3.8. He didn't have 3.8. He didn't have that. And he said, I'll give you 3.8. And um, the nun said, we'll take it. And the journey of faith began there. And they began to spread the vision, fundraise, and talk about what could be. And now, 27 years later, this place has a home for victims of human trafficking. It has a home for men that coming out of addictive behavior, a recovery program, a 12-month recovery program. It has a home for women coming into a recovery program. Um, we have uh, three floors for homeless families that have no place to go, and especially in this season, it, the, the numbers have spiked, and so we have three full floors for that. We have an emancipated minors, a youth coming out of foster care, a home for youth coming out of foster care, and then we've got a full kitchen that feeds the community three times a day. And then, of course, our outreach ministries that are going across all areas of Los Angeles to South Central. And we take food and kids programming and resource to those communities as well. And then, of course, we have our our church that operates um, as a normal church and uh, Sunday services, Thursday services and all of that. So um, So, that is what the Dream Center is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to do some math. So you have been there how many years? When's I have been a part of the Dream Center vision for 24 years. So 24 years. And it's been around for 27. Okay, so you came in year three. I, 
I came in right as they were, per, like right after they purchased this building, because um, the Dream Center con they were he was in another building down the street and uh, sold that church building to be able to purchase this big hospital building, which is now called the Dream Center. And so I came in; the the entire main building was all hospital equipment, and it wasn't even renovated at the time. We were we went building by building to renovate. My first role, I came in and I helped. Caroline Barnett, who was not his wife at the time, we were roommates. And so she was here doing similar to me, connected to the vision. We were roommates and she started the food truck and I joined her. And so when I moved in, I just started jumping on the food truck and feeding all the sites around Los Angeles. That's how I began. I just came to serve and in the process of God opening up doors. And then I became the youth pastor uh, and I just started uh, working with youth and going forward from there and just began to serve in any capacity as possible in those early days. And so then, so you start serving, you become a pastor. Along the line, the vision gets casted to, let's start one of these also in New York. Yep. So yes. you get sent to New York, um, right? And you started some, a, a Dream Center there as well? Yes, in New York City. I met my husband here at the Dream Center. My husband and I, I was, uh, I at the time was youth pastoring and running running teen homes. So something we started here was teen homes for youth that needed coming out of youth authority. And so I had opened up these teen homes and my husband came along and he became my boys home director. We met, fell in love, started doing the ministry together. And then in 2009, Pastor Matthew pulled my husband and I aside and said, hey, I believe this could be a great a great vision to happen on the East Coast. I think we need to see one in New York, in the city, in New York City. And so my husband and I prayed about it and we said, all right, we're ready. We'll do it. And we had, at the time, an 18-month-old and a three-year-old. And we moved to New York City. We moved to Harlem within six weeks. And we had only been to New York one other time. Wow. I don't know whether that's the best church planting strategy, but I mean, we- <laughs> You learn we on the job. Stir. We were like, I feel like wow. my life might be somewhat with one big yes is probably what what I would say is whatever, you know, if that's what the Lord wants. And so- You're a risk taker too, obviously. Yeah. You know, I, I knew that cities and so something about it, I feel like my DNA is a little bit, but um, the, our New York journey was hard. Our New York journey was not- um, learning the East Coast, um, planting there. Uh, we had two more, we have four children. So really raising our family. We've only been back in Los Angeles to be back on an executive role here in LA for the Los Angeles Dream Center for a year. And so a lot of my journey in my adult life was spent in New York City, um, building okay. a there. So you say yes to God, I'm going to New York. Tell me, first of all, what was the state of your relationship with God at that time when you're like, okay, I'm going to New York and then tell me how that evolved as you were in New York? Yeah, no, great question. I, I actually always tell people, I feel like my genuine real encounter with the gospel, with the character of Jesus, um, what it means to truly trust him started with our journey with New York. I think it began, I, I, here I was raised and here I just shared with you that I was so blessed to have um, been raised the way that I was. I've been in full-time ministry my entire adult life. Um, uh, our journey in New York developed, uh, my husband and I, but I can only speak for myself and at this moment, personally, unlike any other. Um, uh, it went from 
being a part of a ministry that had uh, here that had a huge building, so much people and programs that were already developed and friends. I had I I had uh, journeyed thirteen years in my my pivotal years of life, eighteen to thirty. Um, making friendships and we moved to New York and didn't know anyone. And I, here I am a mom, I'm stepping into being the lead pastor, running uh, an organization, building it from ground up. And um, it, you go in eager, we're going to save a city. And I'm so excited. Dream Center. And they're like, we don't know a Dream Center. What are you talking about? Like, what is a Dream Center? And I'm like, you know, what do you mean? You don't know. I, I've just been a part of this crazy. We can change a city. You know, like, I'm eager and ready. And well, um, you're contagious. I'm sure that was a, a, enough to either right? scare people or say, okay, we have to say yes to her. We cannot argue with right? her. Um, and it was just such a step of faith. I think it was learning new cultures, learning, living in Harlem and learning how to integrate yourself into a community and not come in immediately expecting what you think a community needs. Naturally, we all have innately the same needs when it comes to our relationship with Jesus and our innate spiritual needs. Um, but when you come into a community to really take the time to listen, to spend time getting to know what are the struggles um, you know, hearing all that. And so really learning what it was to say, hey, I get where I came from at that time and I saw what we can see, but let's take a second and let's really, let's become a New Yorker. What is the struggle? I'm a mom in New York, riding the subways, telling my kids go to the local public schools. And how do I get to know and really trust that what, and, and believe for what God wants to do for that city? And there was just so much in there that the Lord needed to do in my heart and trusting him. And I, it was lonely and it was starting all over and it almost didn't matter what we had done and was a part of it was like you had to come in and really just trust that as you birth something new, that, that the Lord was going to meet me there and that the Lord was going to provide for us, you know? You mentioned that this was a time where your faith developed the most so obviously you as a person develop the most, right? Because you are, you're doing two big things. You're becoming a mother, you're raising a family that in itself for any of us that are parents is a growth thing, right? I mean, that changes us. It changes our dependency on God. It reveals our brokenness galore, like a big old lamp into our hearts. So you have that. And then you have, of course, the ministry side that's also revealing like, oh, I had all these ideas and dreams and maybe they don't fit here or I have to learn all new things. And the common denominator, of course, is God and your relationship with God. So tell me how that, how those two massive growth life journeys, how are they impacting your relationship with God? It's a great question. I, you know, being a woman in ministry as well as parenting a family and my children as a mom at the same time, I feel like it's, it's always a, a level of, of, trusting Jesus of um, priorities in that. And I've always learned, I heard this before, that um, in juggling what that is when, when there's a task of ministry, uh, my family's my ministry, what I do vocationally as full-time ministry, that's my ministry. I don't view it one or the other. They're all my ministry. Um, but as I'm doing, I tried to come up, I heard this this before, and it's like, know what your what balls you're juggling, know what is going to bounce back and what's going to be glass and shatter. So know what balls are 
glass and no water going to come back. And so I really learned in my season in New York, that's really when I felt like the Lord challenged me with my children and ministry opportunities and to pace myself and to balance the journey of that as a woman and honestly, just as a Christian, and it's just trying to steward the life that God has given me was to know when the opportunities. And so for me, I had to learn there's going to be certain things that's going to bounce back and that's okay. Um, opportunities, maybe it could be speaking engagements, or maybe it was that ministry that I maybe needed to empower another leader to do it, that Stella wasn't supposed to do that, that I needed to trust that Jesus knew in my life what, and I had to know what was class. My kids, that can shatter. And I'm not going to allow that. And I can't say I'm perfect at it. We aren't. I have not done it perfectly. But it is something that the Lord has really worked with me on to know what is that. And so and, and so with the Lord in that, I feel like every season is different. So how the Lord has spoken to me and how that's affected my relationship with the Lord is learning on when I'm in tune with him, because what could be great for one season doesn't mean it's right for the next. And so I had two more kids in New York. And so when we were surprised by our fourth kid, and I'll never forget when I knew I found out I was pregnant with my fourth kid, we were living in a, in a small apartment on the Upper West Side. It was this two-bedroom apartment. We already had three kids in one room. And I remember I looked at Brad and I said, okay, um, I knew it was going to be one of the biggest faith journeys for us. Um, it was an expensive city. Finances were hard. We're trying to build this nonprofit, get people to get behind it, build a church. And I remember I just looked at him and I said, we're going to just trust Jesus in a difference because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of a step back and I'm going to make sure that I navigate this correctly because I believe the young people that are a part of our church and the people in that they need to see that and this sometimes it is decisions you need to make and that I'm actually would be leading falsely if I led people to believe you can just do it all. There are sometimes you have to make a decision and you're leading best by saying, hey, in this season, I'm actually showing you better by not just pushing through and I'm here I am, I'm, I can do it all. Actually, I can't. Jesus can do it all. <laughs> Amen. Jesus, Jesus Amen. Is the superhero. Reed is not the superhero. Jesus is the superhero of the story, and I get to play a supporting role. And that's a pretty cool gig. <laughs> and that's so fabulous. I've been on a journey with that. I've had seasons where I've been full on. I had a season where I was executive directing the Dream Center NYC. And then I had a season where I was playing behind the scenes and I would come up. I had some seasons where I was speaking more in there and I was full charge. And I think it's just, we can, we get sometimes feel like every season has to look the same or not, or, or I got a full, the next season needs to be even more. And sometimes that's not the case and it's okay. And we need to be sensitive to feel the ebb and flow with the Lord. And, uh, and know when we're pushing the pedal and when it's the Lord giving us the green light. And so. That's so good. So I am picturing this idea of sometimes things can bounce back and knowing, having the discernment with it, which for which things can we feel or trust God that they'll bounce back is, is quite the challenge, right? Because when we say no to something, our fears are that, well, we'll never get invited again. That opportunity won't come again. I will miss what God had for me, or God is going to be disappointed with me because I couldn't carry it all. Uh, that somehow the journey of faith is like we, we just get to pile on more and more and more and more. Um, that is a powerful statement. How did you discern? Obviously, it 
it seems pretty simple to me, maybe because I too am a woman and I'm a mom. And so, yes, our children are fragile. If we, if we drop that, we drop that, and that does not necessarily bounce back. But in the ministry context, were there things that were glass versus that rubber ball that can bounce back? And how did you discern those, right? Because as, as women, we want to say, yes, our children, our ministry— I can, I'm already thinking of people in my life that I'm going to say, you've got to go listen to this podcast because they, they deal with that tension of, I want to do both. How do I do both? But then even once you do say, I'm going to do both, then how do you discern in the ministry level between the glass and the rubber? So, No, that's great. I think I had to figure out and learn what in the time and bandwidth that I have is going to be the most valuable to, for me, I can speak to my context at the time. And even now I still, I have a, a almost 16 year old. I have a 15 year old. I have a, um, eight year old and I have a five year old. So, so you're in the middle of I, it. Still, still. Yes. This is not just, I just have been because of the AIDS spread. I've been in it for a while with having kids like that. But, I did that too. Yeah. So it's great. Forever. It. It's, 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 we call ourselves the Reed Zoo. So, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely been interesting, but I feel like what I try to ask in regards to my role for the dream center, whether it was pastoring with my husband in New York city and planting churches across the city, or whether it was building a nonprofit side, our justice and mercy leg of our church and building that dream center and reaching communities. What is Stella Reed going to bring that nobody else around can bring? And what could I delegate that are things that I do not need to be put? Because I'm take my, if your time is precious and I have, I'm a, listen, I am one of those people that haven't felt that I was supposed to just be home with the kids and, or one of the, I've always felt this beautiful tension of doing both. And so I am one of them. I, I actually have always worked alongside parenting. And so I have to look at the bigger picture and say, I think in my role and what I bring, um, this is the this this moves the mission forward. This is what the most life-giving thing that I think I bring right now. And so I'm gonna put my attention toward this aspect, because I think it moves the mission forward, it reaches more people, and I think this, so what I'm going to do, instead of trying to do it, I'm going to make sure I delegate and raise up people to handle those other things so that I can do for this organization and my family what nobody else could do. And so it's thinking that way, and it's discerning. And sometimes you will say yes to good things. I mean, say no to good things. You will. Sometimes I have said no to actually good things that were, I'm not, I was, I felt I could do, um, or some opportunities, but it landed at some travel times that would be horrible for my kids' schedules. And I've had to say, no, they were good things. So it's not that you're always going to be happy with what you have to say no, no to, but I come back to just the, my job is to steward that. And so it's not. It's not that every time you 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 want you want to step into what you're good at. Sometimes it's also balancing what how many yeses to what you're good at. And so I've had to balance that with the Lord too. And it's just it's just a, a discernment. And like I said, I've had some seasons where I've traveled way more and I've spoken more or I've had some seasons where um, I was able to start a ministry and, um, it really just, you just have to discern that and know your bandwidth and make decisions and plan ahead of time. And, and honestly, ask God for grace because you're not going to do it perfectly. 
That's beautiful. Oh, that is so beautiful. Right? You're going to probably look back and think, okay, oh, I probably should have said no to this. I, I have so done this where I have said yes to something that I feel like it's important. It all, I go through all the discernment and I think yes is the right choice. But then once I'm in it, I realize, oh, I should have probably said no to that. Or the other way, right? Where I say no and then I watch as I realize, oh, I, I did have bandwidth. Maybe I was afraid or I got that wrong. And like you say, to remember that we have grace. that Well, and to hold the bigger picture in God's hands. In other words, this is the thing I have to remind myself often. I wonder if you had to do this as well. And that is that God is working with us, right? He has a plan, right? And he is using us in his plan. He gives us an enormous amount of part in it, but he does his part as well. And when, man, when he, like when we set our minds to something, we make it happen. Well, then God is just the same. (laughs) When he says, okay, you said no to that. I'll bring it back this way. He will make it happen and to trust him. On the flip side, I think some people don't are don't say yes to some of the things they're supposed to say yes to. So I think sometimes here I was saying I had to learn how to say no, but I think some people might need to know on the flip side, you need to know, be willing to step over that threshold and realize maybe it's the time to say yes and, and move against that fear and trust that the Lord is actually going to give you what you need to say yes to that. Because and, and a lot of times it's sometimes easier to say, well, I can't in this season than to God's actually putting a challenge in front of you and you're scared to say yes to it. And um, many times, even if you are coming out of a season where maybe you have been juggling a few balls, and so maybe for a long time, you've kind of held these and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to juggle this. And then all of a sudden, this is where it's listening to seasons. When, when, God, when God called my husband and I back to Los Angeles, we did not see that coming. And when we said yes to come back, I went from juggling a few different things to coming back to God had asked me to step into some different things that I had not said yes to in a very long time. And that probably took more faith for me than actually saying no in a weird way. Um, No was a little humbling differently than the yes was dealing with fear. When I said no, it was kind of humbling. Like, oh, I'm going to be in such a, like you deal with, okay, I'm not, what are you doing in this season? This is so different for me. But then when God's asking you to step back into it, you actually struggle with, can I do something like this again? You know, is do I, can I, you know, so I think it can go both ways when you're juggling and it's and so really be sensitive to the spirit in your journey with what God is speaking to you in that the no and yeses are, are all important with it. I love that. Now I got to believe some people who are listening are probably getting the sense like, Stella must have this direct line with Jesus, and it is a steady voice because she has such great wisdom on how she's making these decisions. I, and they, maybe maybe one of them might be thinking, yeah, but I don't hear God that way, or I don't know how to have that discernment. Like, what kinds of spiritual practices or what practices really have you done in your life to maintain that sense of sensitivity to the Spirit as He's guiding you? Yeah, that's, thank you for bringing that up. I want to make sure I make it clear. A lot of this is also um, trial and error in your life. And so I can't say that I have, it's things I have learned from maybe a ball dropping that's glass. And I recognize in this next season, I'm not going to do that. And so first, make sure there is absolute grace. Know that um, we're all navigating a journey with Jesus. We're all navigating everybody's life 
and life's journey and the story that God is writing, the puzzle that Jesus is orchestrating, the beautiful picture that he is painting um, is different for everyone. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. We're all, or it's all a beautiful orchestra that he is putting together. Um, but in there, some of the ways that I have learned in that is um, forgiveness comes through Jesus, but healing comes through community. And when we're in a process of um, journeying um, decisions and that I have found um, the right community in my life is everything for me. Um, and really learning how to share what God is doing in your life with a few close in your life to really make sure that you have got people speaking into your life that know you and can be honest with you and that can and it can be a part of that. I think we miss it sometimes when we don't allow people in to speak into our lives. And so I would say building the right community, that's not always been easy for me. And how I build my community is I, I actually have people in my life. I've, I've learned to do this. <laughs> uh, I have people in my, in my arena that are just, that are friends. That's great. There, I have one or two that are more peer-like friends, but I really try to seek some that have been down the road. And so the people that I would, I, I try to level it to where it's also people that are down the road in parenting, down the road in ministry, in my field, maybe it's for you. It's people that are in a field of work that you long to be, or, or I've been at what you're doing longer and so it's a, it's a variety of people through seasons and stages of life and those. And so that way it's a, it's a, um, it has a, a good ability to speak into all facets of my life and I'm getting wisdom from different seasons and honestly, Sabbath really learning how to take time, taking time, uh, in the city, I learned to walk. There was very, we were small spaces. We were, had four kids, um, for many seasons, we worked a lot from our house. Um, we did a lot of coffee shop meetings, and so my space to think like. But I learned how to pray, pray and walk. Find something that is. I needed to be out and about. The city was crazy, so I walked from Harlem. Uh, we lived about twenty blocks from Central Park. I walked to Central Park. I can't And I literally would get in the middle of the city. And I needed to hear and just take the time. And that worked for me. And learning what what is it that you need to um, to be in a space to to at least allow yourself to have rest and time to hear the Lord, turning my phone off, things, and so that I could feel that um, I I I am a um, I could be on my phone too much. For sure. <laughs> we, we can all be guilty of that. Come on. <laughs> and so just learning how to turn that off. And yes. so just rhythms of, for me, um, honestly, for me, it was rhythms of learning how to be quiet because I can talk That's as good. we can all hear me. Learning how to be quiet. If I'm learning <laughs> how to be quiet. Um, I love that. I, such a practical takeaway for our listeners too. And for me, great reminder for me, I love my walks too. Uh, they're super healing to my soul and my heart in ways sometimes I don't realize until after. It's, you know, so great, so practical. Has there ever been time in your journey of faith where you felt like further away from God than you typically are? And how did you deal with those times when you felt like, man, I'm not hearing God, I'm not sure, or... Or I'm frustrated with God. I mean, whatever. Anytime you felt like you were more distant from that source that gives you that guidance. Yeah. I mean, our feelings are, it's very normal to, I think I had, I think I found myself in a time where my times with the Lord, my, my, um, 
maybe times in worship, my times in the word, or um, they just weren't, nothing was happening out of, it was almost like I had to force myself. Um, I found myself and it was, it came, it was a root of discouragement. I was disappointed with how things were going in New York at the time. I thought we'd be further along. Um, I thought we'd be more established. I didn't foresee it to be such a financial stress to make a ministry happen there in our early years. And I just found myself in that season. It was discouragement. And I, I had to get to that point where I recognized I had to be able to vocalize and say, I am, I am disappointed. I think a lot of Christians don't have a good theology on suffering. I'm not sure for many, many seasons and even the way that I grew up, I don't know if they talked about Jesus in suffering. It was almost like if you were in seasons like that, you were doing something wrong. And I think Jesus meets us in those times. And actually, I think we should expect we're in a broken world. Um, there are things, and I just, Jesus doesn't cause things, but he doesn't waste anything. And I think when I was able to just come on, like, I am almost disappointed or I'm feeling ashamed of where we're at in our journey. And I think when I was able, I, when I found myself in the season, you almost don't even know you're in the season until it's like six months to a year later. And you're like, I I've been, been here for a while. I've been here for a while. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. This is familiar. Even, yeah. Until you can even admit, it's like, it takes a bit for you to admit I'm not okay. And I don't know. And so I think once I, I have been there. So yes, I have had seasons where I have been disappointed or disillusioned, maybe with, uh, in my adult life, my family, who I said, I, it was wonderful. They went through, unfortunately, in their later years, a very un, um, not fun, very emotionally draining divorce. And so I found myself wondering, what's happening? Like, how did this happen? Or what did we do wrong? Or where? And so our, I was trying to, we were trying to parent. And so I think in that moment, once I, in that, I learned first to be able to say, God's not surprised by any of it. So when I was able to say to him, he's, he's not taken away when we say, I'm disappointed. I had to be able to virtually say, I think I'm disappointed in you. And then I was able to kind of like realize, actually, it's just that I don't, I'm not seeing how he's going to use this and, and that he's in it and that the gospel isn't what I do for him and, and all of that. And so I think that's why I, when I say the gospel really became so prevalent to me is because when I realized his love for me isn't based on my merit isn't based on how well and successful we are as pastors and the building of the church and the numbers of our congregation or you know, that, that it is about a beautiful relationship with my heavenly father and that I am a daughter first and that he loves me no more today than he did the very first day that I encountered him. And when I'm able to come to him from that place, my ability to walk through seasons that I won't understand because you will you will walk through seasons that don't make sense. And when you are able to understand, I am his daughter first and I can come, I receive from him very differently than I do coming to him like, but I did all these things. I thought I was doing all the right things. And how come this is, that, that it could be far from true of the gospel message. And, and I think that really transformed my heart and my life. Thank you. Thank you, Stella, for that. I, I think that's going to be so encouraging to many who, who maybe are right there right now, right, who are wondering, what's happening, God? I'm disappointed in you. Or, you know, those who perhaps 
perhaps are dealing with a disappointment in a leader that they have trusted uh, or, or a system that they have trusted that has crumbled. And then they start to question like, wait, God, how, why is this happening? I think the same kind of posture applies to any time we feel that, right, that God is distant is to kind of just build relationship, go back to the foundation of your relationship, right? Beautiful. Where you are, now that you're back in L.A., your children, uh, you must be busy as could be, right? Teenagers, an eight-year-old, which, you know, at that age, they're into all kinds of activities. It's, well, girl, and you're an executive pastor, mm-hmm. right? That's what your role today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me today, how are you balancing all of that? What's the state of your heart and your relationship with the Lord? And, and what are you looking forward to? Like, where are you at today? And what are you looking forward to ahead? No, that's wonderful. Um I currently, you know, I think coming, like I said, coming back here, my husband and I took on some different roles here to see the Dream Center vision move forward incredibly. And and since COVID, so much has changed. And so we kind of came back just to see the Dream Center vision at large. New York Dream Center is still going fantastic. And we were able to transition leadership. Wonderful. Um, As we stepped back in here, um, I I feel like on the... um, journey with the Lord has been what fresh season and new things does Jesus want to do in my life? And what is a something, what's new and fresh and really trying to take hold almost like a, like a look back and have a rock that shows me the beauty of the last season, but not living in the past season and not expecting the past season to be my current season, but something so fresh and believe for something so different in my life. And I think I'm entering a beautiful season of relationship with my teenagers. I think I'm in a season where I'm enjoying sports with them. I mean, my daughter plays volleyball, my son plays football and lacrosse, and I've got my littles in baseball and that. And it's a very different season than even our journey in New York City. And so I think I'm just trying to see this. It helps me move forward when I can really see the new thing that Jesus is doing. So I think the what God is doing is to really focus on the new thing. I feel many have felt in this past two years because of COVID, many people feel a lot of loss. It could be time, could be call, every. There's so much that's changed in how and we do things. And so there is a lot of grief that I think people have felt. There's and like did a, a you think there's of, an underlying garden, uh, anger? Yes, like, like there's, there's a, this low Just grade. under the surface. Yes, it's like it it rises. I think I think people are learning how to be around each other again. Um, I think it's such a, a a very interesting. Everybody knows that you can feel it. It's this interesting tension in general um, with politic everything politically to how schools are run to all of it to where I just keep saying my prayer isn't this anymore. Can we just go back to the way things were? Or wow, remember life two years ago? Or wow, we didn't know what was coming? Or oh my goodness, Lord, just a year ago I was living in New York City. I didn't see whoa, I didn't see this coming. I have started to really say, so the new thing, and maybe this will minister to somebody listening and find themselves in this. What is Jesus speaking fresh to you in it? What does it what does what does this season look? What does it look like? now and going forward, a fresh word. And I'm just trying to be present and grateful. I was on a plane with my three-year-old 
at the time she was three. She's my third and she is my wild and crazy child. And I was on a plane. <laughs> we all have her. one. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I she love it. Came out of the womb like this. Yes. And so I, her name is Chelsea, Chelsea Grace. And we were on a plane. We were coming to, I was coming to a funeral for my grandmother. I was living in New York at the time. I came back to LA to go to that. And I was on the plane and she was going crazy. And I'm like, I finally apologized to the guy next to us. And I said, I am so sorry. I know this is not what you wanted. And he looked at me. He was an older gentleman. And he goes, oh, 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 oh sweetie, mm -mm. I'm going to tell you right now. I want you to make a decision today as you raise her. She, he, I still think he must have been an angel or something. He was wondering. He goes, learn to be present and grateful in her life, even in the midst of the chaos. And that is something that has stood with me. And I just have made a decision with ministry and parenting because all of it is that. So whatever you're watching, whatever your vacation is, whatever season of it was married life, singleness, whether it's put kids out of the house and you're journeying adult children to grandchildren, whatever, something the Lord is just challenging me because it's going to change constantly. It can look different in a week from now. <laughs> present and grateful and really just trying to take in what Jesus is doing and just be present and grateful. And so that is what Jesus, that's the state of my heart and my relationship with the Lord currently right now in 2022. Beautiful. It sounds like that also answers the future because if you're if you're looking for the new now, you know there will be a new tomorrow. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is there anything no, you want to share sure. about that? <laughs> I think, you know, you said like, like about the, how do you maybe speak in confidence? I think it's not that I, I'm not that great. I, I'm not going to be what changes lives. Jesus loves my children more than I do. And that is such a promise. And I'm thankful for that. And that's the whole thing. It's God's character that I can trust. So I can speak confidently because at the end of the day, there are things from the now until the day that I take my last breath that I'm going to do wrong. But it's God's character that I can trust. And he loves the ministry that God has called us to steward more than I do. And he loves my family more. And so he, I can trust him. And so when I know that his character is who, that's the character I can trust. I can say yes to things. I can say no to things because it's his character. I can trust in the midst of what I know I can do. Amen. Wow, Stella, thank you. Thank you for sharing so much wisdom so much wisdom with us. Folks, I hope you're as blessed as I was. I'm looking at her. So if you're a podcast listener, may I invite you to go check out our YouTube channel so you can see her as she expresses herself. It is so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you for this. Honor to be here. Thank you for having me. I, I, I would love to close this then um, with um, maybe, maybe for those who are listening, who are... Um, you know, struggling. They're 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 in big tension. They feel like they have this promise from God, and they don't know how to how that's going to come about. Or they're in the they're in the promise, but they're terrified because they're worried about getting something wrong. You know, just just those who are who are in the tension. Like, can you just share a word of encouragement to them to keep at it? Because the enemy wants to constantly steal, kill, and destroy. He's looking to hit us in our weak spots to take us out. Like, how can you encourage our, our brothers and sisters yeah. one last time? And we'll close it there. Yeah. Just remember, listen, um, our God is more powerful than we, we, we give any more credit to. We, I think we do, um, the enemy is out to kill and destroy, but the beautiful thing is that Jesus has come to bring life and we know the end of the story. We know how this all ends. And so 
And that I would encourage you, if you find yourself in the middle of a situation where you feel like your prayers have hit brick walls, or maybe you feel there has been something you're believing for, and you feel maybe there's a delay in a desire or a dream, I would encourage you just to continue to be honest with the Lord. And just know that I can say this in confidence. I don't know how the story is going to be be told or written through your life, but I know this, He will not fail you. That is a promise. He he will not fail you. And that it's hard because we want to control the outcome. There has many things I still think this would have been great if this outcome turned out this way. My human nature wants to control. I am that way. I bent that way. I'm a we control freak to, too. I, oh boy. And I still might I would have done it better that way. <laughs> yeah. I had to learn in that he will not fail me. It just may not be written the way that I wanted it to be written, but he's writing and and building and and, and painting and orchestrating a tapestry that is we can't see and he will not fail. And the beautiful thing is we aren't waiting for our ship to come. It's already arrived. The beauty of the message of the gospel is the hope of our eternal salvation, the, the beautiful ending of a story that we get to spend eternity with Jesus. And when we can rest in knowing that gift alone is enough that we can rest and know that our God will not fail and he will not fail you. And I know it's hard uh, when we're in the middle of it and it's not easy, but guess what? You can hold grief and joy in the same breath. That's the beautiful thing of joy. It's actually available in the same breath as grief and as disappointment and as suffering. So don't be afraid to be able to see that's that, that joy is our strength is actually talked about in the middle of persecution. And so just know that if you are, it's a, it is okay to feel, just don't be controlled by those feelings. Glorify God with it. And so allow yourself to feel it's okay. It's real disappointment. It's, there are things that in our life that are real suffering. Allow that, experience it, feel it. Just don't allow it to control you and don't glorify the feelings, glorify God in it. And he will not fail you. Amen. And that means that no matter what season we're in, it's still an adventure. Yep. Right? It's still, that doesn't, you don't have to wait till tomorrow to experience the adventure. It's here, it's today. Thank you. Thank you again, Stella. God bless you in all that you do. Um, I'm going to share with the, on the show notes um, ways to contact you to learn yes. about the ministry, learn about yes. the Dream Center. Learn about the and, Dream Center. I would yes. love it. Come visit us if you're in Los Angeles. Right. If you're local or you're flying into LA, there's nothing to go and check it out. So again, thank you. God bless you in everything that you do. You cannot listen to Stella and not come out just feeling I don't know, wonderful. I did. I, <laughs> I listened my conversation with her make me made me feel uh, encouraged and pumped up and ready to go. Uh, again, that big one, big yes. And and I love Stella's enthusiasm. I, I can picture her when she was 16 years old coming to her parents and say, mom, dad, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go in the big city. I'm going to be in a local church, helping a local community. And you just can't say no to someone like that with so much passion. So I'm just inspired to like go big, go, you know, Go say yes to God and go big as she did. Um, so I don't know. I felt so encouraged. How about you, Annie? Yeah, I uh, um, 
I, I mean, I'm so proud of, of the work that they're doing up there at Dream Center. I've, I've known about it for uh, for quite some time. Like, you see it, it, it's right there off the 101 as you're driving. It's on the right-hand side. You can see it in big letters. So if you've never seen it uh, as you're kind of going through downtown, make sure to look on the right-hand side. You'll see it jump out there. I mean, it, it really makes you, for a long time, I wondered, what is that? You know, I, I kind of, there was always a question mark. What is that place? Like, why is something called the Dream Center, you know? And then I found out it's like sh- actually a church and a ministry. And um, yeah, the work they they do there and have been doing there is absolutely incredible. I'm super proud of uh, their involvement with that. And, you know, she's the executive pastor, you know, an incredible, you know, woman in leadership. Um, Always, always looking forward to raising, you know, those voices up and and that there. And yeah, she's, uh, her energy is is fantastic. And um, yeah, just an an incredible example of someone who is obedient to to God's call, and you know, just went all in. And and that's the thing is, like, it's she said something towards the end that was like, you know, sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, you're not going to say the yes when maybe you should have or you needed to. And it's just kind of navigating um, that time when it's finally just ready to be like, you should just just say yes, just go. There's no reason to not go at this point. Like, you know, we say no for no reason. That kind of becomes <laughs> like. The problem sometimes is like it's just no because and we don't we won't have a good reason for those no's and I say no to a lot of things but it's because I want to say yes to fewer things that are that are more valuable so that's intentional no's right so like that's the thing it's like it's recognizing too like in your in your relationship with God and and how you're being present you know with that relationship you'll know you'll know when the right yeses are the yeses the ones that need to challenge us and uh, for the sake of growth and for the sake of um of providence and and carrying on what what he has for you and the others around you. So, um, yeah, can't say enough good things about, you know, about her work and their work there. So I loved having her on the show. Yes. Now, I I was thinking a lot about how a lot of times for us women, we feel stretched between, you know, being a wife, a mother, uh, probably grandmother, right? And then the calling that God has on us that might obviously require us to stretch in so many ways. And we think that, that's an impossible thing to hold at the same time that maybe we need to quit one to the other. I can't tell you, I believe so many women are constantly in this battle in their brain. Am I supposed to quit one to do the other? And what I feel like she does beautifully is she, I mean, she's not diminishing her role as a mother of her children, especially when she's got teenagers, they need a lot of her time and she is committing to that. She said, talked a lot about being in community with those who would help her and hold her accountable to say yes to the right things and say no to the right things and then to be there and be available to her children. Uh, So I was just impressed with the way she holds that balance and I'm sure some days are easier than others, right? The other thing I wanted to highlight is uh, Carolyn Custis James, which we interviewed some time ago. Folks, you want to go back and listen to that podcast. She and her husband uh, have this sort of concept for their marriage, which is what they call the Holy Alliance. And this picture of the husband and wife working together as being called by God to to multiply, right? To produce, to flourish, as Genesis calls us to do as a team. And I see, I, I can tell in Stella's stories that, that it is a strong partnership between her and her husband that allows her to to do this work as well as she does and, and carry the responsibilities. And so I just want to affirm that as well. I, I, I'm... I want to affirm, here's a strong woman going out there doing doing the work that God's calling her to do, but also, hey, for her husband, right, who is, in, in, obviously, her name is Brad. Yay, Brad! And the way that she, <laughs> Stella and Brad work together as a team in the work that they're doing, 
and how he supports her calling, she supports his, and that is a beautiful thing. And I love that C- Caroline Custance James calls it a holy alliance. Mm-hmm. Man, there, there's power in that. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like I have that with my husband, Jim. So grateful for him. Uh, so folks, I hope you enjoy that. Please do share this with your friends. Um, and uh, yeah, check out the Dream Center. We will make sure we put that information on the show notes. If you're a local, it is completely worth a drive uh, to Los Angeles uh, and going and seeing the incredible work that they're doing. You want to see uh, Christians living out this beautiful picture of being the hands and feet of Jesus in a very difficult community. You'll see it there. Um, and hopefully you'll get a chance to do a, a tour and maybe support them in some way. Uh, they would love that. So thanks again for joining us today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Uncharted Podcast with Inez Franklin. Learn more about Inez at unchartedpod.com. Follow Inez's journey on Instagram at Inez Franklin. Sign up for our email list to receive direct access to online experiences and more. Thanks for listening and join us again next time. Thank you.